Blog Talk Radio. Good day, everyone. Am I from England? Good day, everyone. I'm not going to attempt a British accent because, you know, the thing about accents, I do them well if I'm, like, in the area that I'm trying to copy. But unless I'm, like, in the area, I don't do well. I can adopt an accent if I'm immersed immersed among the culture of people with the accent. But if I'm not, I can't just pull one out really easily. Do you care about this or not? Well, <laughs> you know, well. I mean, I obviously, you know, this is not the topic of our show. England. I mean, it all depends on what. Well, oh, obviously, but I'm talking about. I mean, on a widespread well, basis, just, whether I'm in the South or if I'm in Boston, if I'm in Boston or New York. I mean, maybe I can do American accents better than than English, but yeah. It, there are entertainers it, who are. So skilled at uh, it's, yeah, remarkable. mimicking or duplicating an accent that is quite incredible. Um, and a lot of them were comedians. They would adapt that into their act. Um, but as it is, uh, you are speaking English, so you're, not, you're halfway there. Um, yes, halfway there. And I'm sorry I'm a little hoarse today, but... <laughs> Everybody loves ponies. You know, the accent, everyone has an accent. The accent is derived from trying to speak another language in your own language. And so there, an accent is applied to it. So um, an accent is also in terms of the parts of speech. So you have the accent of, of speech, but um, yes. So let's let's let everyone know how to get a hold of us. Actually, right now we're listening to an accent, a dog accenting the environment um, with his obnoxious or her obnoxious bark. Well, I feel sorry say, for the dog because the dog is traumatized. And well, that's better than him walking around and ass scenting the environment. I'm probably doing that too. Nine one four three three eight. 0164 is the call number. Press 1 if you'd like to speak with us. And um, yes, I'm having some problems speaking actually clearly today. So I apologize. It's like a lot of effort. Um, what else? Facebook, X, formerly known as Twitter. X, formerly known as Twitter. Don't, aren't there a lot of celebrities like that? You know, they change their names. Yeah. It's your, the artist formerly known as Prince. 
it's like this uh, change of identities. And I think that's kind of connected to what we've done with gender. But now, now Twitter. Actors in the industry have changed their names. Strange. But anyway, Twitter um, is, is now known as X. And so I don't think I posted on there today, but I did do all our postings prior to sh- starting the show. Starting the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, Jennifer asked if I had bed bugs in my throat. <laughs> Good one. Um, so one thing that you don't know, I'm going to tell you a little story about what happened last night. I went to sleep and got completely stuck in my astral, uh, in the astral zone. And I mean, it was terrifying. And somehow I pulled your body toward mine to get me out of the out of my stuck space or my stuck what is not stuck space my 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 stuck condition that I was in so I could feel your astral body when I was stuck coming toward me and I couldn't tell if we were awake or asleep it was very strange and then suddenly I was able to pull myself well, you really pull. I think you pulled me out of it, and I woke up, and then I turned to you, and you were completely asleep. Were you aware this happened? Yeah. The the oh, astro- you are you are aware it happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why you mentioned the um, earlier? The thing about that is that the, the uh, astral body leaves the body. It can also be intact within the body because it has an extraordinary awareness while it's inside the body. And then when it's outside the body, of course, it's got a whole different environment it's dealing with and a whole different agenda. But we're forever attached to our astral body, and if we are really in connection with it, it heightens our awareness. So when we give readings, we're actually giving readings through our astral body, but we're not asleep. When we sleep, it's a whole different story. The astral body is leaving the body. So the um, your physical body wasn't uh, having a problem. It was your astral, astral body, body. But your physical body was perceiving the energy of that turmoil. So more or less, what you did was you you probably had a combination of attaching to my physical and my astral body because you can do both since they're both well, connected in right. terms of the physicality and feeling okay. But, but well, the astral body would have to first connect to the astral body. Yeah, it was astro- our astral bodies were connecting because I was not sensing your astral body and I was having problems breathing. So my astral body was causing my physical body to not be able to breathe. And then, um, then I was with my astral body trying to summon you because I didn't have any way to wake you up physically on a physical level. So I was able to summon you or you perceived my struggle. I'm not sure what percentage of which combination, right. But there was a, you know, one higher percentage than another. I don't think it was 50-50, but that's what happened. And I I could feel you pulling me. 
It was very, very strange. Yeah. Yeah. It was very strange because I've had experiences like that before with you, but not to that intensity of where I really gravitated toward getting your astral body to engage with my astral body to get me out of that situation. Then when I, like I said, I woke up and you were just snoring. (laughs) Yeah, the crisis was over. We the see there's an astral gravitational field. So we have a gravitational field. We have a magnetic field. We also have an astromagnetic astro gravitational field. And that easily uh, can draw in energy. It's like in the situation you're in, um, similar to uh, someone yanking somebody into their rowboat if they fell out of the rowboat or throwing somebody a line if they fell out, or a safety, a lightsaber uh, tube. This is done not with those implements. This is done with energy. So the energy can actually draw in the situation you are in. And it doesn't, to me, it's not a phenomena. There was nothing like, I wasn't alarmed. I, I knew exactly what was going on, and there was no need to... For, for panic because you knew I wasn't going to die. But no, no. the thing for me, what I didn't know was if what was happening was in the physical reality or not. I was confused. I knew I was in my astral body, but I was panicking because I was having trouble breathing in my physical body and I couldn't get back into my body. And I don't know how I was able to, I don't know how I was able to I don't know what I did to pull you toward me. I don't know what I did. And that's why when I woke up and was sure that I was alive, I looked at you to see if you had any idea of anything that happened. Now, I didn't know you experienced what I experienced until we talked on the radio today. However, in other instances when this has occurred, usually there's some kind of physical response that I have after the fact. So I'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe I got stuck. I'll verbalize something, but there was nothing verbalized. I didn't wake you up. It was all nonverbal, completely nonverbal. Yeah, there's no, there's no, the astral body, you can manifest the language from the energy. So when you dream in the astral sense, you're not really hearing a language, you're hearing how it's manifested itself into a language. It's a vibrational field because the astral body doesn't really talk. But the vibrations coming from the astral body can be retranslated into your native language, and then thereby you can uh, perceive the, the uh, energy. Also, uh, the astral body, when you've trained yourself adequately enough, the astral body must remain tranquil. I mean, you, you know, people... To go out, to, to consciously be trained and go astral projecting, you're not wiggling all over the place and struggling. You're going very smooth like a snake. You're going very smooth, very calm, because the astral energy has to have a certain equilibrium that is neither too high or too low. It's just sort of monotone. It's just smooth energy, and it's as calm as can be. So ultimately, the astral body panics when either the person is inexperienced or the body attached to the astral body 
is panicking from the experience it's having. But the astral body itself uh, is, is the common denominator. It's a tranquil energy. But of course, it doesn't always remain so because there are certain circumstances where it's just almost impossible to be tranquil. So Jennifer asked, we have a caller, 651, we're going to be getting to just in a moment. Jennifer asked, are you sure you weren't having a hit or in a hypnagogic state? Well, I mean, maybe I was in a hypnagogic. I mean, you know, it was right when I fell asleep. However, it was... I wouldn't have had your involvement if it was just a solitary experience, which a hypnagogic state, you're hallucinating right before you go to sleep or whatever. It's that wakefulness, no. that space between sleep and sleep and wakefulness. I don't no, think I'm that's what gonna, it was. I'm not going to condemn you for not being hip or a agnostic. <sighs> but no, it... No, I don't think it might it lend itself to something like that. I because mean, because it was of, there you know, in that it, space, but... Usually, the, when, there, when paralysis occurs, it's because the body wakes up before the astral body can re-enter the body. So there's that blockage that occurs because the astral body is saying, oh boy, the physical body is waking up and I can't make a smooth landing. It'd be like trying to shoot a moving target, but wiggling to such an extent that there's double exposure everywhere and you can't quite pinpoint how to land. Um, I think it was India where they were trying to land on the moon and it crashed. It couldn't. Uh, the windstorm was too much. I think it was India or China, one of those two, recently. But it's somewhat similar to that. But uh, again, uh, we want to get to our caller. Yeah, let's get to our but caller. The astral world is a dense world. We love talking about it. And hopefully, we have more opportunity to do so. I'm sure we will on other shows, maybe today, maybe not. 651, you're on the air. Hi, it's Christiana. How are you guys Hi, doing? Doing okay. How are you? I'm doing all right. Okay. Um, I was wondering if I could get a reading. Yeah. What's your birthday again? 1386. 1986. Yeah, you. 2911 too. We've talked we've talked about your birthday code, have we not on the show? Yeah, I think we have. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. What do you remember about it? <laughs> I, I don't I don't remember. Okay. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, it, it it's worth repeating then. I mean, at the beginning of your life, you you have a 113. Your master number is two by twenty nine eleven two, so you're compounded, which indicates you have problems in relationships. So there may have been a divorce in your childhood. There may have been some kind of abuse or any separation from your father. Uh, my father was never in the picture, and um... okay, would it be separation from father. So yes, the answer is yes. Go ahead. You can yes. elaborate, though. Oh, uh, I was going to say that I was abandoned by most of my family when I was 13. And that's oh. your that's your day. So, I mean, it doesn't always work out like that. Abandoned at 13 by most of family. It doesn't always work mm-hmm. out like that, that someone's going to experience something at, on, you know, at, at the day, on the day 
you know, at the age that corresponds to the day that they are born. But in your case, it does. And it's, you know, it's connected to that 11, of course, your 2911 too. You come in with an overabundance of karma in this life. So anyway, um, problems in relationships. So you had a specific question. Go ahead. She wants a reading, general reading. Oh, she, she does? Yeah. You want a general reading? Well, we are, we're giving her a general reading. Oh, no, have... I was going to ask a question. Oh, I thought you wanted a general reading. Okay, go ahead. Ask the question. Sorry. Um, no, 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 I don't apologize. You're fine. Yeah, I think I've asked about my business before as, as far as being uh, working as a shamanic practitioner, but I'm wondering, I signed up for an app that helps, that's like a platform for me and helps get me out there to people. And I was just wondering what you see surrounding that, if it'll work out bringing customers, if not. Go ahead. You want, you have no, well, you go know, ahead and I'll talk afterwards. Christiana, yeah, first of all, on your code, fortunately, six. you have a code that uh, equates to success in this field. 8-6. The 8-6. The 8 is money and power and all that kind of thing. Well, that's good. You have a 6 with a third eye. And those numbers are, are quite a leap from your 113. And don't forget, you know, um, you said 13, you were abandoned. Now, remember, Christiana, your master number is 29 equals 11 plus 2. But if we take that 11 and add 2 to it, 29 equals 11 equals 2, 11 plus 2 is 13. So at 13, you were abandoned by your family, but you know what? It was a good thing. Because what happened was you were abandoned by darker, even darker karma that would have upset your future even further. So that abandonment was necessary because you had to come back to live 13 years with the, with the attitude being that your father was absent. And so you had to work through a past life drama. You had to. Once you did that at 13, you were reborn again. Now, maybe it wasn't pleasant maybe yet, it, yeah. but you were reborn again. And from that point, you started to establish between 11 and 13, every two years, a new zone of energy until you accomplished your movement through time and space to reach this eight in your number, which establishes power. Now, notice it drops two. Here's your master number. It drops two to six. There's your third eye. And now you're in the zone of doing what you're meant to do. Your attitude about will you be successful, according to code, yes. Now, there's a contingency involved, meaning it, according to code, yes. It's your destiny, yes. But it's contingent on certain things that you do Two. around your karma to make sure that everything gets locked into place. So it's like you got your driver's license, drive your car, but now you got to drive through rain and snow and heavy traffic. But you, you get to drive. So you're going to have some turmoil, but here's what I suggest. In, your, in the initiation, and you can go wherever you want from this statement, in the initiation of your advertising and promoting yourself, Use the colors of the chakras around the image of your face. So if you're advertising, 
your profession and your business, I would suggest you put your face in some advertising mode and around that put the colors of the chakras. And in each chakra color, like a rainbow, put a depiction of what that chakra does. Write it down. The first is earth, you know, the second is sexuality. And write that down and say, I give readings for all the chakras. And I give advice for how to move through time and space. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, kind of. Where are you lost? I don't, I don't really don't know. Um, I'm just it's, absorbing it. I'm like processing. So you can is, it not, is it not relating to the way that you approached your readings? Is oh, that, I was, um, it was, I wasn't asking about readings. I was asking about my shamanic practice. Your what? Shamanic practice. Well, I mean, isn't that involved? Well, Psychic. What? I mean, I, maybe we're misunderstanding. Well, what, what, are, what do you do in your practice? Um, I do like shamanic journeys. I do extractions. I do soul retrievals. Um, there's a lot of different things with the journeys with drumming and rattling one or the other. Um, well, these are very basic. I mean, what Neil is saying, these are basic foundational things that should be, I mean, understood if you're i mean you're saying soul retrieval but we're talking about like kind of basic theories of you know using chakras chakra colors in your photo to yeah i think i understand that i was just absorbing what he was saying so sorry about that yeah because what what you're doing is not in contrary or contradicting what i'm saying because okay. you know, um, you, it, it would what you do might be hard. You could describe it in in just sheer exposition. I do soul retrieval. I I do shaman work. I do journey searches for the soul. But what the unfortunately, what the public loves to see are visuals. They like to see something visual accompanied by it. So I'm only suggesting that you put a visual to your depiction. Do you haven't already? Do you have an advertising site? I'm just thinking, yeah, do you have to put a picture up on the site that you're using? Yeah, you do. Yeah, Yeah, I think you Well, do you have one now? Do you have any visuals now that you're doing? I do, but not with the colors. What... Do you want to do you want to relate on the radio where how to find your site? Oh, it's heal.me and uh I'm under my name Cristiano Leducer under shamanism. So, you just have what? to I got that it. in and I D O U C E R. Yeah. Well, we'll look it up. Is that French? Did you say field? No. L-A-D-O-U-C-E-R. That sounds like a French. Is it a French last name? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, 
Well, are you getting clients? Are you getting customers? Not yet. I just signed up, and I have some um, updates. I'm going to um, edit my profile and add more information, and then I'm getting professional pictures taken um, on Friday for the site. Well, you know, the first page of our dialogue is you're on the right track. The second okay. page of our dialogue is you, your your code says you're going to be successful. Right. Can I say something? Wait a minute. The third page of your dialogue is that both those premises are contingent on how you operate and how you work through it. So um, you've got to realize one thing. It's good you're asking for advice. But it shows me that there's a shadow in your psyche about doubt. And if you're going to be doing soul searching and soul rescuing and rattling and all these things that you want to do, the doubt that this is advice, the doubt that you have can overshadow your wisdom. So I think it's good you're asking for advice, but way you approach this on the there's measure of doubt about how to go about it or what's going to happen. And what I'm saying to be a shaman, you have to remove doubt. Replace it with something else. Even if you don't know the answer, don't use a negative to fill it in. Don't use doubt. Don't use confusion. Don't use weakness. Keep strong. And in, instead of saying, well, I'm discovering my path and it's enlightening as I move towards it. Say something like that instead of, well, do you see this or will this happen? Because it contradicts your role. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. I think a lot of that comes from um, my psychic business. Like I tried for years and to get that going and it never took off. So I think that's where some of the fear and uh, doubt comes in. So how did you transition to, from psychic to shaman? Because my 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 addition to what Neil's already said, um, which I agree with, you had to get through all this karma from past life, and there may have been conflict after the age of 13, but you were abandoned, so it was a very dramatic situation. And then you can move into your more transcendent mode as you approach the age of 29. Uh, how old are you? 14, 23? I'm 37. 37. So you're approaching a multiple. You're going to be 38, which is a multiple of your 11 master number. Um and it's, um, yeah, a multiple of your master number. 11 years beyond 29 is 40, so that would be a change too. But you have your cycles every two years. But what you're doing on a creative basis, how you are, how you are deciding to manifest your creative ability in the realm that you're trying to be successful in is really important. So you've changed careers. You said you're a psychic. Um, yeah, I, I have some ability, yeah. 
you have some ability and you try to <laughs> establish yourself as a psychic with some ability, but maybe not. I mean, what did you train? Is there any training that you've done? What, what are your, um, what are your credentials? Well, um, I worked on teams for quite a while and I just got a lot of practice and I got familiar with the way that the other psychics did their readings. So, um, and I would like learn from a lot of like YouTube videos and articles. And so I would, um, I learned how to just tap into my intuition. I didn't go to any school or anything for it. I mean, you know, being a shaman is a that's a a very high undertaking. It's like saying, you know, I'm a prophet. I'm a prophet. That's like a psychic saying, I'm a prophet. Being a shaman, you know, you have to be very, very well versed in so many different areas. And so like you know, I I would say get more training. You know, um, you, you, you know, a shaman, the definition of a shaman, a shaman is the leader. A shaman is the wise leader. Of the is tribe. The hi- highest energy tribal. of the tribe that has the ultimate knowledge. And they are in full authority. So when you go to the shaman, you're actually going to an individual who has full wisdom, full knowledge, full authority. No one is above on the earth, the shaman. And the shaman's knowledge extends into procedures of conduct and advice. The shaman also knows ex- exclusively about nature and, and, and the aspects of the astral realm and how the, the heavenly bodies work with the earth. And so, you see, it's a, it takes on a great, great, great amount of authority to proclaim to be a shaman. Also, shamans are sometimes, they don't proclaim themselves to be a shaman, but they earn the right and, and, and the conduct is such that they're almost elected to be a shaman. Like a, a, a person can't elect themselves to be the Pope. President or the president. Or the, or the president. Yeah, I think it's a little different because I'm not like in a tribe somewhere. So it's uh, the shamanic. I trained for the shamanic practitioner um, classes. I took those. Um, but it's a little bit different than actually being in like an actual tribe. So. Well, obviously, obviously you're not in a tribe. I mean, you're not in a tribe, but the principles still apply. I mean, it's like, well, I took classes to be the Pope. I mean, it's you have to kind of well. It's I mean, you see, you're more of like the solitary person on the mountaintop that people climb to to receive an answer. You can be a solid. It's not so much a tribal shaman, although shaman is taken from, from tribalism. But you can be a solitary wise man or a wise woman that has qualities of being a shaman or a shaman woman. Shamaness. Mm-hmm. Someone you know, that, that, that equates to your individual stance. So, yeah. so in, in saying that, what is your specific question now? Now that we've discussed it and tried to help you, what is the specific question you have 
regarding your um, mindset here? If she's going to be successful. That, I think, was her original question. If she's going to be successful on this new website, heal.me. Yeah, that, that was basically it. Okay, well, let me explain something. I, I don't mean to offend you. A shaman doesn't ask if they're going to be successful. That's not a question a shaman would ask somebody else. If I, if I proclaim to be a shaman, will I be successful? It's not a question really a shaman asks. It's not even an approach of, of, of worry. It, it, being a shaman is being a shaman. You're being a shaman because that's your essence. It's not contingent on whether you're going to be successful or reaching out. That, that, that stance is taken into a lower energy of thinking. So you may be offended by what I'm saying, but I'm trying to help you to understand the, the epitome of your approach to being a shaman. And if you eliminate the doubt, if you eliminate the questions, if you eliminate the contingencies as to whether you're going to be popular or not as successful, I understand or make your money, Or make money because she obviously yeah. needs to make money. So I understand understood. your concerns on an earthly level. But if we're talking about being a true shaman, if you're a true shaman, you're going to be successful. And your energy suggests you can be. But it doesn't mean that you ask the question because it reduces your power. Well, you understand? It does reduce your power. But maybe, maybe, a, you know, advertising oneself as a shaman, if there's, there's doubt, isn't the best idea at the outset of when one starts to practice. I mean, you know, you're 37 years old. I mean, shaman are, you know, wise, older, not that a 37-year-old can't be wise. I mean, look at Christ. He died at 33. He was a shaman. Well, the last emperor. I mean, you could. there are children there, who are wise. There are, you know, you don't have to be old. It, it's not so much that. It's the... Energy well, the within energy you. The, the Messiah it. can be a child. Yeah, well, there was. He was. So, so. Uh, it, but I'm just energy. trying to talk about how best it is for her to market. Yes, it's the energy within her, but she's not secure totally. And she's saying, well, I'm a shaman, but I really don't know if I'm going to be successful. So what I'm suggesting is maybe she approaches her, her marketing package a little differently. Rather than calling herself a shaman at this point where she's not totally sure or certain of who she is in this world and is still trying to figure out how to make a living in the spirit, in, 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 in the spiritual, in a, make a living in as a spiritualist. Maybe you could call yourself a spiritualist. Maybe well, that would be call, safer. I mean, if, if you, you know, can call yourself whatever to, you want, but it, it I might don't know. It might be hard for her to make that leap later, which, as, instead of just initially calling herself one. But if you're going to call yourself one at the onset, be prepared to be to play to be in that role. But you have to be careful because you've got to be you've got to be damn accurate and guiding people in the court. I mean, you have to be completely ethical. And you can't be, you can't be uh, 
leading them down the wrong path. If you're a shaman, you know what the fuck you're doing. I'm sorry, excuse my language. You know how to guide people's lives. You see the territory. You can map it out. You understand so much about existence and the universe. It's beyond, you know, beyond the average person's comprehension. The immediacy of your question is answered as yes, you're on the right path. Okay. But, but, but you know what? We're all learning. I'm learning. Kristen's learning. Everybody's learning. We're earthbound human beings. No one on the earth has transcended. We're still in the process of learning as we live. And we have what a mere, you know, maybe if we're lucky, 90 years or so to do it. God forbid, my so, um, While you're learning, shamans evolve through time and space, just like anything. You can be a prodigy and then improve as you move forward. Well, absolutely, you know? that's a so, no-brainer. Uh, your your journey, the journey that you called us to to respond to, you're on the right path. Um. Okay. But we're trying to fine-tune your approach exactly. to uh, being as perfect as you can be before you're surrounded by doubt and confusion and uncertainty. So I have a question. Like when you're do- like a soul retrieval, what, how, how would you conduct that? Like in a 30-second little um, narrative. I go on a shamanic journey um, to the lower or the upper world, whatever I intuitively find that I need to go, and then I get advice from spirit or a power animal, and then I go and retrieve that soul fragment and bring it back to the client. That's perfect. That's great. Not a problem. No question. Your yep. statement is was clean. That's yeah, I mean good. it's and it's and it's yeah. You have a you have a uh, a you know a clear direction what you're doing when you're working with the client. Um, See where where your where your dilemma is is in the question: Will I be successful? That's understandable on a physical level, but you're not working on a physical level. You're letting the physical level confuse your divinity. Confuse you. Don't, don't yeah. let those worries confuse you. Do you understand that? Yeah, I understand. That's all. Simple. Okay. Well, hopefully that helps, Christiana. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Hi. Uh, you know, it's there's a matter of um, there's a matter of some sense of the word rescue. Uh, you were saying this morning that somehow I rescued you from an astral turmoil. Um, Consequently, you did, but I saw. So I, I yes, 
you did. But I was able to communicate with you astrally to get me out of that state. So there was a two-way. Um, I mean, I couldn't get myself out of it, but I was able to get you to it. It was just very strange. Anyway, well, strange the, the experience. Movement, the energy moves accordingly. Um, this morning, there was a, uh, a probably close to three-foot lizard uh, resting on a hose in, in the pool. And just when I went outside... Mm-hmm was just sitting there in desperation oh, no. uh, in the deep end of a pool and and was luckily able to climb onto a, a hose that was there and just sit there in the middle of the pool. Okay. When I approached it and saw it, I swore it looked at me and said, you finally arrived. Thank God you arrived. And when I approached it, I, there was a there was a dilemma. Do I approach it too quickly because it could dive off of the hose and by instinct start swimming downward and drown? And it doesn't take long for a lizard to drown. Or do I approach it cautiously and talk to the lizard and say, "Yes, I'm here to save you. Um, let me get something to to help you." And I approached the lizard in that manner. Now, having done so, I had a long pole for me. <laughs> really, dude? Yeah. I had a long pole. <laughs> and, wow. And, Tell and everybody, me, Neil. It wasn't for no, no <laughs> But I will say that it was weird. God, you're always talking yeah. about your so, uh, <laughs> I had a long pole. And, and you know, you said I had a long pole. I, I have a uh, It's not past me. Um, but I had Got a long pole, so anyways, with a net. And and I told the lizard through energy vibration, I told the lizard through energy vibration that I was going to save the lizard. And the lizard looked at me the whole time. No panic, nothing. I put the net up near the lizard, and the lizard deliberately jumped into the net like it knew exactly what to do. It wasn't afraid. It didn't run. It could have, but it didn't. Then the lizard jumped on the rim of the net, and I brought the net close to my face, and the lizard looked at me and blinked. I was able to talk to the lizard, touch the lizard's head. There's a throat lizard. And it knew I had saved it. It knew I had come to rescue it, and it probably knew I was on my way. And I, 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 you know, walked away from the pool. I didn't want to set it near the pool again. And it just casually let, went along with me. I got to a place where I could see where it could have safety and, and, and security and, and concealment. And before the lizard left, it deliberately made a circle, turned around, looked at me, wiggled out his tongue, blinked lifted up its front leg like a high five and then scurried off as it was the lizard's language of thank you. And for a moment, that's what occurred. Now, that just opposed to uh, an astral body, saving an astral body or a struggling astral body is uh, somewhat similar in regard to the way the lizard 
had an extraordinary ability to communicate to a human being and to have that feeling that it was going to be saved and then to have some sense of lizard gratitude in the expression of its language. Um, I once saw a video of a, of, a, of a bear in a zoo, and this bear was so haggard. I mean, it had nothing but a little cement pond. It lived on cement, surrounded by a cage with, with a rock in it or some strange bush. And the bear looked so, so depressed. But what happened was a bird flew into the pond, and the bird was near drowning. And this is video. And the bear walked over to the pond, put its paw in the pond, let the bird alight on its paw, lifted the bird out of the pond, put it on the cement, and then casually scruffled off in its own haggard, depressing way, but saved the bird. Can't, you know, the attitude of how we connect in the physical world, but that had to also be something spiritual. That had to be something mystical. Because why would a bear save a bird? What was going on in that bear's mind? However depressed that bear was, and the bear was depressed. It's oh, a terrible let's talk video about to see. that, please. Uh, but to have that energy and that we all share that energy, and then to extend it into uh, the astral realm, where there are other spirits and guides and, and energies that help to, quote, save us, advise us, compel us to retire energies, help us to understand. So I have a story um, similar to yours. Um, was it last summer? There was, I mean, we are constantly rescuing things, animals, things, We're animals, insects, arachnids, etc., from the pool or other areas of our yard. But in this case, uh, I walked in the backyard. It was, there was no reason for me to go back there, but I walked back there just by chance and luck and there was a possum on a hose and the possum was hanging on for dear life completely frightened and I swept in grabbed the possum so it's very similar to your lizard story except the lizard I mean you really can't pick up a lizard possums are like very affectionate and I picked up the possum got a box for the possum poked holes in it and we transported the possum to a rescue. Um, but the possum did not want to be in the box because when the possum was in the box, he was shaking violently. So I elected to take the possum and hold the possum. And I wanted you to keep that possum. And you wouldn't let me. No, no. It's well, terrible. You can't. You can't legally. And it's really interesting. This woman from the rescue said, they make great pets. Possums make great pets because we were turning them over to the lady and I was actually crying because I really wanted to keep the possum. I felt bonded to the possum. And she says, they make great pets. They make great pets. But what happens is 
vets will not treat possums. So if there was like a health problem that we encountered with this possum and brought him to a regular vet, they'll refuse to treat because you cannot legally own a possum because they're wild animals. And the possum ultimately was sent to a possum rescue, which is probably a better place for the possum than living in a home. But yeah, you know, bonding with animals is yeah, a I mean, wonderful it, experience. You know, I, you, you can have possum stories with Disney, Walt well, Disney stories, you have a possum, but well, but people do keep the them possum. as cats. They do. You have to think of the possum's well-being, and if the possum would be taken to a sanctuary. Well, the possum would uh, have had a good life with us, but, yeah, but he's probably yeah. better off with his, uh, his own species. Aren't they kind of solitary, though? Uh, well, they're nocturnal, basically, but they, but and, and, but they they they're solitary. They have babies. They're you know they carry their babies around, and they don't bunch together like in a pack. So they're solitary to that extent, but and and they're lone hunters, you know, for what they do hunt, insects and things like that, snails. They're not meat eaters per se. They like dog food, but they're not really. Meat <laughs> well, they have, I think they'll um, eat anything. They're kind of scavengers. Yeah, they're they're great they're to have around if you have one in your backyard that's wild and that seems to be okay. And they're great to have around because they really clean up your yard. They don't carry rabies. They don't have diseases. They may have fleas, but that you know they don't carry anything. No, they don't carry rabies. And they don't really bite or anything. I remember They're, one day I was by the kitchen window and I look up and there was a face staring at me and I screamed. And it was a possum and the possum hissed, and it was this dramatic moment. But then, as you know, I I realized oh it's just a possum. So we both went outside and talked to the possum, and the possum was so friendly. That yeah. possum ended up dying. Yeah. It's so sad. Well, you've got to watch out for dogs and cats and, you know, coyotes. Uh, but but the point being is that the astral realm has a sort of uh, rescue and shelter energy. I mean, there are sections of the astral realm that are so hospitable that are so, it's, it's so inclined to, to be in the welfare of care. It's almost like falling in the ocean and being rescued by porpoises, which have happened to sailors and things like that. In that wilderness, and incidentally, even in biblical sense, when the word wilderness is applied, uh, that's the that's that's wrong. in my estimation. Yeah. Um, the idea that uh, the astral realm is a wilderness. There are concerns in the astral realm. There's gravitational concerns. There's entity concerns, energies that are hostile. But we have to also populate the astral realm with angels and guides and spirits and all kinds of great things, including energy fields that, assist the soul and the spirit in the travel of, of that realm. So it's very deep, and well, it, it, there's a certain enlightenment, if you will, of light in that realm that has a consciousness behind it. Right, it's so more of the cosmic consciousness of light. For example, when you're working with a client on changing certain elements of their life, whether it be karma 
or their creative destiny going into the astral realm is part of that journey because you can't change karma from a physical standpoint. You can't change someone's karma on an earth level. You have to be connected to a higher, a higher realm to be able to do that and to rearrange their, um, their karmic, their karmic destiny because destiny is not karmic destiny is not the same as destiny destiny. Yeah. 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 Uh, karma can be locked in and and unmovable. It can be. And some karma can can be uh, adjusted. It can be it can be controlled. It can be modified. It can even be eliminated in some respects. It all depends on what the energy is. It's almost like a doctor diagnosing a disease or an ailment or a form of cancer. Whether they can control it, eliminate it. Or they just have to let it be what it is because there's no cure. Uh, well, then, I mean, there... let it be what it is. I mean, either it's, well, there's two ways to look at that. I mean, you can have a, a terminal illness. I, I'm not, I don't think I'm wording it right. When you become terminal, for example, from like a cancer that is like a glioblastoma and you're terminally ill, you've got six months to live. But like if you have a metastatic illness, which is different, you there's more um, flexibility in the lifespan and the medications that can help to um, that can help to manage the disease and keep the cancer numbers down. Those are two different situations. When someone becomes actually terminal, then they are headed toward death. I'm sure Jennifer knows about this because she she's a hospice volunteer. Um, but like the terminal people are, you know, heading to hospice, whereas there are people that can live with the disease that will ultimately yeah. kill them. And so same with karma. I mean, the, you know, karma comes in a variety of shapes and forms and conditions. Some fixed and destiny bound to be fixed and some adjustable to certain right. energy fields of change. Like the family you're born into, you're not going to change. <laughs> That's fixed. Yeah. That's definitely fixed. Or, or the fact, it, if you don't have a family, that's fixed. That's a good example. Anyway, um, I think we've uh, done our time here. For okay, our so thanks for callers, and uh, we'll be back on the air on Friday. Oh, gosh. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Peanut gallery noise. Ah. Uh, Yes, back on the air on Friday at a regular time. Hopefully I'll have a voice, and we will be talking to you then. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.